0: Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Little known uh, fact about me. Uh, if If you're new or don't know much about me, hello, I'm Pastor Jason Montano. Uh, lead pastor here, uh, and that's who I am. But if you don't know much about me, which many of you do not, there's lots of stories that I get to tell for many, many more years to come. And one of those things is that I played Suzuki violin. As a little five-year-old Jason, I would play Suzuki. Now, Suzuki is this masterful program for young kids to learn how to get into the arts and the music. And so my parents at a young age decided I should do this. And so little Jason would have this little miniature violin and I would take this violin and I would just scratch horrible, horrible notes over and over again. If you've never had the privilege of listening to kindergarten students try to play the violin, I strongly suggest you just check it out. It is a pure joy of noise not a lot of music going on. But I started at a young age. And one of the things about playing the violin is that it's not an easy instrument. It's a hard instrument to try to master. And so one of the things I remember, I have all these memories of violin. First of all, I hated it. I hated it. I, I despised practicing. I hated practicing with all of my heart. Every time I had to practice, I just groaned. And back in the day, they'd have like the old charts with stickers so you get like colored star stickers on charts right and so if you did a good job you get a gold star and then a silver star and then like a red star and a blue star or no star i I was no star jason right and so we'd have to practice a certain amount of time and you'd write down these minutes like each week you had to practice like 30 minutes a week which felt like eternity because all i wanted to do was play with my star wars toys i digress So I would play, and one of the things I hated practicing is that they're always correcting you. I had this teacher, fantastic teacher, but one of the keys of the violin that you don't know is that one of the most important elements is posture. Posture is everything when playing the violin. And so I would have to stand up straight, and I have to put my arm out. And this is the thing I hated most of all. My teacher would always flip my wrist around, and he would crank my wrist in some completely unnatural way so that my wrist could hit the notes so I'd be cranked around like this I'd be standing up straight and it felt just terrible the natural tendency is to slouch down and to do this and look at the floor and do this and that's what I wanted to do all the time but every time I'd see him he'd take it and he'd crank my wrist now I'm telling you this I think my wrist has problems these days because of that from back then because he would do things that were unnatural with my wrist and so I would turn it and I would get it around and over and over and over again. So, for those who know anything about the early days of violin, you don't play complicated songs, you play simple songs. Mississippi hot dog. Over and over again. And so, what's the purpose of me having a good posture if I'm playing like two or three notes? I would kind of do this motion here. Um, you know, I didn't really get it. But then I started advancing and started playing harder songs. And my hands started moving faster. And all of a sudden, he's telling me to do things that had I not been corrected, I wouldn't have been able to do. Because your wrist formation and the way that you're standing and the posture, once you get more complicated and you see these beautiful musicians out there who play beautiful songs and they play vibrato and they're playing, you can't do that if you were doing what I was doing as a five-year-old. I didn't know that. I just wanted to play Star Wars. But, but he was putting me a foundation of something that was so important and that was so painful and something I didn't want to do. Little did I know that it would change everything for me going forward. And I played all the way through, played through junior high school, got into high school. And I actually left my sophomore year of high school because I moved into musicals. I was an actor. Go figure that. So um, I, I got into that, But the reason why, was because of the music basics and the foundation that was built to me as a young man. When I didn't want to practice, I didn't like it, my appreciation of understanding music started at the age of five. My appreciation of understanding of doing things the right way to making a beautiful sound that sounds good versus the one that doesn't sound good started at a young age. This man poured his life into a little kindergarten boy that changed my life forever. That's huge. How often do we think about the things that are instilled in us will change your life forever. And we've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, and the author Solomon has been looking back. He's been looking back in his life, and he's been asking some questions about it. He's been asking, like, okay, I've gone through all these things. I've been involved. I've seen these things. I've gone here. I've had the choice of this. I have the money. I've got the women. I've got the house. I've got all these things. I'm not happy. It's, not, it's meaningless. Like, there has to be something more that's here. And he comes to this conclusion. A life without God outside of his way is meaningless. A life without God and outside of his way is meaningless. It's it's void. It's empty. It doesn't leave us anything. It leaves us hollow. And like, Like my teacher all those years ago, working, forming, founding, giving me this foundation, pulling my wrist up. Solomon is saying, let me be your teacher right now. And I'm going to instruct you in something you don't want to hear and things that are not easy. Let me instruct you, if you are wise, listen to this wisdom because I've come before you thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years before us, this person sat down and he wrote these things. Listen to me, humans. I'm giving you something for instruction. This is what matters in life and that's how he ends the book of Ecclesiastes, a life without God and outside of his ways meaningless. So we start to fill the void that we have to find meaning, just like Solomon. And all of you have done and are doing that today. We fill it with relationships. We fill fill it with the job that we do. We fill it with our status on sports teams we fill it on who's making the best cookies in the bake off we fulfill in every possible way to say look i'm important i have meaning i'm so glad that i'm here and part of this because i'm important but what happens when those important things that you feel those statuses and those titles crumble you're left with nothing you sink into a deep hole to say i have no purpose in life why should i get out of bed today why do i exist And Solomon saying, listen to me, young ones. I've been there and I've done that. Listen to what I'm saying to you today. There is something more. And he says this, and we're going to explore this today. It's actually quite simple. You and we are created for something else. We were made and designed and created for something completely different than that which our actual instinct almost if you want to say the right word instinct there's something in there saying that well if I'm popular I will have meaning if I have money I have meaning if I just have that relationship I have meaning we search and we grab and we're looking but he says to us in here it's not true you weren't created for that the true creation and your true purpose is for something else that's what Solomon is teaching us through the book so we're going to dig into Ecclesiastes today. I'm going to jump around a couple different passages. And if you, we have Bibles underneath at the end of the, the pews there. Uh, we're going to have some page numbers up. We're going to kick off starting in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 11. And 12, verse 11 is on page 478. 478. You use your Bible apps or whatever you have. Ecclesiastes, again, if you haven't read while you're flipping there, the book of Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom. And it seems if you read it partially, that you're like, this is the most depressing, hard, sad book I've ever read. But what it is, he's laying out a case for understanding of saying, let me just lay out all my thoughts. So the book of uh, chapter 12 in this book is very, very important because he brings it all together, all this book, 12 chapters, a couple of sentences. Ecclesiastes 12, 11, the words of the wise are like goads. Their collective sayings are firmly embedded nails given by the shepherd. Everybody knows what a goat is, so don't, we'll just move on from there, right? No idea. I had to look it up. I have no idea what a goat is. A goat is a sharp metal tip on the edge of a stick. On the edge of this stick, they'd use this stick with the sharp metal tip. And they would take it, and they would hit the back of the oxen, the cattle, to get them to go the way that they wanted. And so it was a way of to either go left or go to the right. And he would use this tool to then direct the animals which way they wanted to go. And as one was going, the other would follow. Because like everybody, they go off in their own ways, in their own directions. So this goat is a sharp tip, and there's this correction. But there's something interesting about this. It's not pleasant. It's not a fun tool. And there's no pleasure in the handler doing this. But he's got to get these huge, monstrous, big beasts to go the right way. They don't speak English. They're not going to say, go this way. They need to be corrected. And so in these corrections, he would use them to get them back into the direction in which the caretaker wanted to go. We, in the same way, we see Solomon saying to us, okay, I'm going to say something like this, wise words, when there's wisdom, these are like this really sharp-tooled stick that's going to hurt a lot and you don't like it, but listen to me because I'm telling you which way to go. Now every parent in the room is saying hallelujah jason preach on please because we as older generation try to speak to the younger generation and say listen to us we've been there we've done that we've made the mistakes we have broken hearts we've had our heart broken we've gone through these hard things listen to us and just like we to our parents before us our generation we don't listen we think we know everything we think we have all the right answers and so the generation below us is like, oh, this generation doesn't listen to us. Neither did we. And so we'd go off on our own way. And when we went the wrong way, we'd experience the pain of making unwise choices. It hurts. The goad would feel better than the pain we experienced. Everybody in this room who's gone through something difficult when you made a bad choice, And the pain that that bad choice then resulted in. I wish someone would have corrected me and took me the right way. It's like we always say the saying, you know, youth is wasted on the youth, right? If only I could go back in time and change things. You can't. You can't. But what we can do is pass on to the next generation, listen to me. Listen listen to me right now. This is what is good. But they're not listening. And so we get frustrated. So I'm going to say something right now. Solomon is correcting all of us this morning. I don't care how old you are. He's telling you right here, right now, listen to what I'm saying to you. Wise words, words of wisdom are going to correct you and get you in a way that is right. It is good and has purpose. Now, the Bible, people have different views of what the Bible is. Like they, some see it as a book of rules. Some see it as an old book that's super boring they say a lot of things I don't care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do good, bad things. And I, don't, I just want to leave it on the shelf and, and maybe pick it up at Christmas time to read the, you know, the, the Jesus story. Or whatever your views of the Bible, some cherish the Word of God. Some use the Bible every day to say, I'm in this book every day to understand better the way of God. And there's everybody in between. And let me just say this the Word of God is given to us as our goad, that is why this thing exists. It's not to make your life miserable or to make you not fun. It's not to make you the, not the cool person at the party. It has nothing to do with that. What it is, it's life and wisdom, and God says, I have a purpose for you. And this book, if we actually do it, if we actually do what he says, removes all this outside nonsense pain because we're going in the way of God. And so the scriptures are literally life and breath. They are our hope. They're our inspiration. If you don't know them, you don't know how to make choices. You don't know what is the way of God, what is the way of my thoughts. Should I follow my heart or should I follow my friends or should I follow my coworkers or my neighbors or should I follow the word of God? You have to wrestle with those things. And so wisdom is given to us to help us stay on the correct path to go straight instead of going off to the side. But it isn't fun. I'm the first to tell you, there's things in the Bible, there's quite a bit of things in the Bible, I don't like. But it's not about my liking or not liking. There's things in there that just say, oh, I don't like how that's written. I wish it was my way. Am I the only one, right? There's things in there that I just wrestle with, and I'm like, why is it this way? I don't like it. It's not about me and my choices. This is bigger than Jason and all of us. This was a book given to us to keep the path going the right way. When you go outside of that path, there is pain. And then you say, why am I in so much pain? How can God let so much pain happen to me? I don't know. First question is, are you following the words of wisdom? Because that's what Solomon is setting us up for. Because we were created to walk in this path. So think of the beautiful words of wisdom of Scripture as this goad, as a sharp tool that stings when you get hit with it, but at least you're going the right way. It hurts sometimes. It keeps us going the right way. So we go into verses 13 and 14. After all this writing, he comes to this what matters in life. And this is so. We're back to 12. Now we're in 13 and 14, same page. Now all has been heard. Here is my conclusion of the matter. Remember, he's written 12 chapters. Fear God and keep his commandments. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. Let me read that again. Now this has been heard, here's a conclusion of the matter. I'm concluding all of my thoughts. Fear God and keep his commandments because you are going to stand before him to give an account for everything you've done, both good and bad. That's his wisdom. Follow his commandments. Now, that doesn't sound like fun. And that really chides me a little bit. There's something inside of me that's rebellious. I'm Generation X, don't tell me what to do. We jump off of stuff and blow stuff up, right? So there's something that's just rubbing against me with this, like, tell me what to do type thing. But just think of what I just said about the scriptures being the guide. This is a guide to tell us. He's like, look, I I have all this wisdom. I've experienced more than any of you will ever experience. Year 2020, hear me. I'm crying out to you right now. This is what you need to do in the year 2020. You need to fear God and follow his commandments. It's Pretty simple. Like, should I be afraid of God? Like, he's going to shoot lightning down on me and smite me, like, as I'm sitting here, like, dead? Like, what what does that fear of God mean? The fear of God is a a clear understanding of the placement of this God who holds stars in his hands in you. Maybe he's smarter than you. I'm just going to throw this out here. I know you guys are super intelligent. And I'm going to say right now, let's say you're the most intelligent human ever. But I love you all, you've never created anything like stars or planets or monkeys. He has. And he says, listen to me. Listen, guys. Fear God. Know your proper place. You are a creation of a God. And that God has created a way for you for the way that you were designed. You were designed to walk this way. Fear him so much that you say, God, I fully entrust your ways. So therefore, I don't want to go left or right. If I go off the path of God, it's destruction. I'm not going to have a life worthwhile if I go off the path. Because a life apart from God is futile. Think of this for a second. Everything you do, everything you do matters. This whole book we've been talking about, nothing matters. Everything's meaningless. And now Solomon flips it all around and says, actually... Everything that we pursue outside of God is just worthless, but everything you do matters because there's going to be a day and time where you're going to give an account for everything you have. Everything you do matters, and you are going to give an account to God for it. That scares me. It scares me because I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to leave a life that I stand before God, He's like, Meh. You know, the emoji shrug, like, eh, could have been better. I don't know. You didn't listen to me. Could you imagine that? Like, hey, Jesus. He's like, no. <laughs> no, I don't know how this interaction is going to be, right? But we have to give an account for everything good we've done and everything that we've done wrong. Every single choice you make every single day, every action, every non-action, Everything you do from your youth to the day that you see him face to face matters. There is no time that doesn't matter. There is no time in which you are giving an account for things. If you are eight years old here this morning, if you are 88 years old this morning, you are still giving an account for the time that God's given you on the place on earth. Everything you do matters. This is an intense book, but there's so much wisdom in it. And I want to be clear about this, because there can be confusion. Is everything we do matters, involve our salvation? Like, how does that work into God and Jesus and salvation? Because this thought of coming before him, and I have a given account, does that mean, like, I'm kicked out? That's not how this works, because our deeds and our works are separate from the grace of God, which creates salvation. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says it clearly. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Scriptures make it clear. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the beautiful gospel that we have. Jesus did all the work. This isn't about salvation and non-salvation at this point. You are accountable if you've called in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only name in which we can be saved. He's the only hope that we have because we've created a mess. All of your mess he took care of, And he just hands you a gift. All you got to do is believe that I did it for you, and and you're saved. So that's it. And you're there. Okay, cool. But now you have a life that matters even more so because he saved you, and he's put you on mission to go make disciples and make disciples. So if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're not doing what he's asked you to do, which is to go and share the news, make disciples, and give the hope that you have, you're accountable for that. I've wasted way too many of my years being a Christian and not being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I've wasted too many years going to church, going to Bible studies, learning, but never discipling, never seeing that Jesus gave me a mission. There's times when I'm sitting at a coffee shop. Maybe you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm sitting in a coffee shop and I'm like, I should go talk to that person. Person said, I just feel like I should go talk to them and just say, hey, Um, can I just pray for you right now? Or those weird moments where you know the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. If you're a believer, you know what I'm talking about. And you're like, I don't want to do that today. I'm grumpy, I didn't get my coffee yet. I'm accountable for that moment. Every time I know I'm supposed to do something, but I don't, I'm accountable for that moment. Every time I obey and listen to Jesus Christ, and I say, Lord, yes, I'm going to go make disciples, and I do those things, I'm accountable for that moment. And everything I stand before Him, like, in my mind, no, this is not scripture, this is just Jason's mind, right? I dream in movies, I love movies. It's like the, you know, like, like old school, like flip screen, like old reel-to-reel movies, right? Like my life, and like here's little Jason, like in the 70s, like, you know, it's kind of all like faded and vintage, and you know, you see little Jason running around, and, and I'm, so what's going on here? Like, uh, I think I just punched Susie in the head, I don't, I'm not really sure what's going on here, right? And I kind of goes through my life all the way to my final days, and we, the end of the movie ends. What would your story, what would you say to him at the end of your life? You go through your whole life. Would you say, I'm so sorry? Or would you say, I battled and did everything I could for your kingdom? Because you're going to. And this isn't just here. There's a beautiful parable that Jesus teaches in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. So if you want, again, Bible-wise, this is on page 702. I'm going to read it to you. It's a long passage, but this is a, a great parable. Jesus is talking about all of this. Matthew 25, 14 30, page 702. He says this Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to the other one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his way. The man who received five bags of gold went on at once and put his money to work. He gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five bags of gold. See? See? I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things, and I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. He said, Master, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker, so that I, when I returned, I would have received it with bank from the bank with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has been given more, and they will be having abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, that's intense. What is happening here? Jesus tells a story of a master who goes away, and he starts to say, okay, I'm leaving. And as I'm going, I'm going to start entrusting each of you with some different things. I want you to take care of things. And these two beautiful servants work hard. They take everything the master has given them, and they work. And he works, and he works. And he's thinking, how can I do this well? And he multiplies that which the master has given Two servants do that. One servant has a lot. And he's like, good job. That person was given a lot of talents. And these aren't like abilities and like the ability to like spin a frisbee on your figure. Talents. this money. But we can equate it into gifts and talents and abilities. That which God has given us. One, he didn't give as many to. But that person took the two things that he had, he flipped it, and he doubled it. And he replicated, he multiplied. And the last person said you know what, this guy is a hard-nosed guy. If I don't make money, he's going to yell at me. I'm just going to hide it so no one takes it. I'm going to go sit and eat Cheetos and chill. Master came back like, I ate Cheetos, and I sat around and I did nothing, but here's your money back. Master's not pleased. He's not pleased. Like, what are you doing? I gave you that, and you sat on it, you did nothing with it? When we think of our lives, friends, God has given each of us something and you are going to have an account for your gifts, talents, abilities, skills, resources, whatever you have. That which is done for the world is meaningless. That which is done for the kingdom lasts forever. Everything that God has given you, maybe you think I only have a little bitty, bitty bit. That's okay. Multiply it. I'm not very good at much, but I love being able to help people who are hurting. That's the gift I have. I have the gift of mercy. Multiply it. I'm not very skilled and talented, but I'm given great resources. We've got resources that we can use for the kingdom. Everything I have for the kingdom, multiply it. And then we take this faith. The faith, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the faith which you have in him, the hope that you have that you have eternity with him, the hope that we have, if you sit and buried it, you're wasting it. We have to multiply it because that's the job that we have from our master. You are going to give an account for everything that you have done, both good and bad. Solomon takes all this time to do all of this work, to give all of these words of wisdom. And we end this beautiful series in this beautiful book. It says, so tell me what the meaning of life is. Fear God. Follow his commands. Don't bury, multiply. You now have the meaning of life. You can tweet that, put it on your Facebook. When everyone asks you what's the meaning of life, I know the meaning of life. But it's not from us, it's from God. Because God has a pathway for us. But you know what? If we're honest, we don't, it's not nice. I don't like it all the time. I want to be selfish. What's mine is mine and what's yours is mine, right? Like, I want to be about me. But then there's that goat that comes in and smacks me in the side and says, no, no, that's not the way of God. This is the way of God. Be generous. You know what? I don't like that person. That person's mean. That person yelled at me. That person, I don't like him. So I'm going to be mean to him. I don't like him. It's a terrible, terrible neighbor. His name's Nick Jankowski. Doesn't matter. Because God says to love. Correct. Love without getting love returned. The scriptures are our wisdom. And friends, if you're not engaging the Word of God, if you're not engaging this wisdom, I'm going to ask you the question, how do you know what to do? So I challenge every single person here today, every single person listening to us online, start to look at the Word of God as the correction and the direction for the way in which you were created. It is your purpose to live in the way of God. We were created created in the beginning in the Garden of Eden, everything was good, and we created the mess with sin. And when Jesus comes back and we're done with everything, he goes back to the way things were perfect. And in between this time is going to be a correction to get us back here. And at the perfection, and you meet him face to face, I want everybody here to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I've entrusted you with a little. Now I'll give you more. So the simple question is this, will you bury or will you multiply? Will you bury or will you multiply? Each of us, uniquely made, uniquely gifted by God, unique circumstances, unique situations. You are in workplaces, you are in coffee shops, you are in schools, you are in neighborhoods, uniquely made, created by God. Will you bury or will you multiply? Let our goal be hearing from Jesus Christ, our King and Savior. Well done, good and faithful servant. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering. For service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.